Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com. I'm in the studio today with Andrea Smith, technology guru I'm extraordinaire. Here. Um, Amy is at her fancy Gosh, her fancy house. new home. I know. So she's not joining us this week. We gave her the week off. Um, I thought it was nice of us. To yeah, the week I know. Off. Well, I think there was a sleepaway camp visit. There was. In there there too, was all sorts something. of stuff. And her, and her anniversary. And we'll hear all about it next time, I think. But we have a special co-host with us today. We have Abram Pilch, laptop online editorial director. We're so happy to have, first of all, we always like when we have a guy. We have a guy. <laughs> we have a dad. <laughs> and a dad. And Abram's a dad. Yes. You have a four-year-old son, right? Oh, yes. Isaac. He's he's my yeah. best buddy uh, and and one of my favorite uh, tech reviewers. He always helps me test things. That's what I think. I see. I think kids know it best. Yeah, if a do. kid can figure it out, they've got a hit, right? That's like That means the UI is awesome <laughs> if a kid can yeah. figure it out. No, no, no question about it. He, he takes great interest in every gadget that I bring home. Sure, like all kids. So we're going to delve into, the, our first topic is going to be all about these new Office features in Microsoft Office, which, Avram, you wrote about, and Andrea had sent us the articles, and we're like, these are interesting, because these, for parents of like middle school, high school, college, when you're starting these research papers, I know my daughter's, the bibliography became a big thing when they hit 7th, yeah. 8th grade. Um, these are new tools that are supposedly going to make that all easier, simplify it, automate it for better or worse. So we're going to talk about that. We'll see if it's yeah. better or worse. Yeah, yeah no It question. just makes me go, ibid, ibid, ibid. Right. <laughs> oh, God, I remember handwriting those bibliographies. Ibid. All right. And then our second topic will, of course, be the Olympics. Because I can't stop And those poor parents. And the parents. We're going to talk about the parents of the Olympians and the advertisers during the Olympics and why mom is still this giant mm. central focus that of the heartwarming. Olympics. heartwarming... Yeah. Where are the dads? So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to have our Bites of the Week. So let's jump right in. Um, I actually have your article printed in front of me. Abram. <laughs> My, this great article about, um, well, new office features could help you become a better writer, which is, first of all, such a good headline because everyone was sharing this. Like, I don't know, will it? Will it? Because everyone's looking for that thing that's going to make them a better writer. Um, but this is really about research. Right? Yes, know. it's primarily so if you are an Office 2016 insider, and if you're not, as long as you have a subscription, you can sign up to be an insider, which means that you get the latest beta build and everything I'm talking about is going to be out in the regular build as an update in a few weeks. And if you have Office, you probably now are a subscriber to Office 365 where you get all the mm -hmm. updates. So one of the new updates to Word is called a researcher. And it's a feature that's designed to help students I would say primarily high school and college, but maybe middle school students learn how to not learn. Actually, it's designed to help them actually do the research for the research papers and cite whatever they're researching properly. So if, for example, you're looking up the Amazon rainforest, it appears in a little window pane on the right side of Word. You don't have to leave and go to your web browser. You type in Amazon rainforest and up pops a list of search results and you can read the articles right there in the in the Word document and highlight text, right-click it, say cite, and it will insert it into your document. Wow. <laughs> and, and into the bibliography at the bottom, and you get a choice of bibliography, citation styles, MLA, APA, 
Uh, there's about eight different styles on right. there. Um, Chicago, but not um, Associated Press. Not AP style. Not AP style, unfortunately. It's so funny. So you so just accidentally journalists. said the word learn, and, and my head is going ding, ding, ding. No one's learning anything. All you're doing is clicking, and you're not learning how to do anything. I think that's I think that's got to be the complaint, but I think you might also learn something wrong, bad from it. I'm, I'm kind of critical of this feature because of the way, of the type of articles that it gives you to read. Wikipedia is usually the number one Result, and I think most. And I don't think teachers really want that to be the number one no, cited source. Exactly. They, um, when I talked to Microsoft about this, they said that they have an algorithm that determines reputable sources. But I think a lot of people would argue that Wikipedia is not a reputable source for research papers, and a lot of the other sources are just seemingly random websites. So I, I don't know that it's teaching our kids how to find good sources for their research paper, and then yes. It fills in the manual citation style for you, but what it doesn't do, and this is so such a problem, I think, it doesn't put quotation marks around things that it copies into the article for you. Oh. It does put in parens, like let's say you, it, someone cited one of your articles, Andrea, it would say, like in parens, Smith, you know, 2016 or something. But we know, if I know from school and from having two English teacher parents and from having a master's degree in English myself, that if you're quoting something directly, which is what this does, it copies word for word what you've highlighted, you're supposed to put quotes around it or else it's assumed to be a paraphrase. Therefore, this is teaching you that it's okay, you are learning, but maybe the wrong lesson. Right, to cut and paste. To just copy and paste things without attributing them properly. Future speechwriters are using this. Yes. For one party. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. If you want to... Uh, if you want to learn... Uh, okay. They would totally be pulling out Michelle Obama's speeches, too, as their best first lady speeches of all time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you can put quotation marks in after. You can edit it. Right. But I still think that if the goal of this is to help you become a better writer, to help you become a better researcher, filling you up with, like, weak publicly available sources and then not helping you to completely cite them properly, right. I think is an issue. And then you always have the issue also of, you know, the calculator issue, right? When we went to school, uh, I'm sure when we, when we all went to school, if you made the argument to your math teacher that I, I could just carry a calculator with me, like, I don't need to learn this math. It'd say, no, no, come on. You really have to learn how to do something yourself. You can't just rely on a machine. Now, the argument back in the day was you wouldn't always have a calculator with you. Well, no, guess you, we, you kind of always guess, have the internet with you. Guess we kind of, guess we kind of rule that out. But still, I find in my daily life, like you need to actually know math, not just rely on a machine. And I think with research and citations, actually committing them to memory and not just having a machine do it for you is probably the better thing. What's interesting about that too is the whole purpose of a research paper is research. So if they're just pulling sources for you and you're cutting and pasting without ever actually researching, like going out on your, you know, in your own time, like, okay, rainforest, I'm going to find all these different sources. I'm going to compare them. I'm going to pull what I need from each of them. Well, and isn't that also That's kind of going down is. the rabbit hole? You find one story that leads you to another, that leads you to a third, yeah. that might really give you that nugget of information. Yeah, it's interesting. My daughters, so they're, they were in eighth grade last year. Um, they were allowed to use Wikipedia 
like one time in the bibliography. That was sort of the deal the teacher made, and it couldn't be for something that was more subjective. So it had like rainforest, if it had sort of the history of when the quote unquote discovered, or you know, whatever, then you could use it. But if it was something more subjective, especially biography, that was very tricky on Wikipedia mm. because people are continually just updating people's yep. biographies with nonsense. Um, but they did use a program for creating their bibliographies. There was, there's, I have to look it up. I'll send it to Amy to put on our page. But there, that the teachers recommended. It's a bibliography app, basically, that formats your entire bibliography for you. Um, my daughters have no idea how to write a bibliography. That's what they use. They plug in the information. Mm. It makes it all perfectly formatted. So MLA. I guess this just automates it. But I get, and the question is, I mean, look, we we talk about technology. Uh, Avram, you and I write extensively about technology. I mean, technology is supposed to make li- make our lives easier. You know, it's supposed to do things and automate things for us that, you know, are kind of mundane, boring tasks. So in reality, this is just another example of technology doing that, taking away that process of writing the bibliography. So on one hand, you could say it's progress. It's great. You don't have to spend your time doing that anymore. You can spend your time researching. On the other hand, there is the worry that you never learn how to do it. You don't do it properly. You don't cite your sources. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think having it check the citation, you know, the formatting for you, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's robot work. But having you actually pick out sources and know how to quote them properly and know how to use them in the article, I don't see how it helps there. But yes, you know, format, you know, just as we have spell check and grammar check, doing a formatting check of your bibliography and formatting it for you makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, giving you Wikipedia to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not so much. So, Not so, much. Uh, so both your parents are teachers. Uh, yep, my father's retired, but both my parents are college English professors. And what's their take on this? Uh, not not positive. You know, obviously my mother is very old fashioned. She's still teaching now, and she, I think if she saw her students using this, she would say, first of all, she doesn't consider Wikipedia to be a valid source. Like that's. I can't imagine any teacher really, really does. You know, and in the journalism world, we we don't either. You know, like we, you know, now do we look at Wikipedia? I'll admit to doing it, but I look and see what their source was. Right. Like I'll do some research right. there, and then I'll see where it is. Where does that information trace back from? Right. But I wouldn't take anything directly from there. Also, because Wikipedia is usually the first thing that pops up. Yeah, I well, mean, and and that's why that's why it's showing up on this. Right. But you know, for research, I think there's some there's some real questions. I still really takes me back because I still remember going to the library, heaven for fend, <laughs> and having to actually like look through the stacks to find mm-hmm. some old some old journal or something to do a and paper. And write down all the information to cite the source. Yeah. With right. a pen and a paper. And, and photocopy, <laughs> you know, and photocopy what I needed or whatever so I could then go and write an accurate quote when I was doing it. So, or And have to actually go find different libraries to go to that were out of my way to right. get the information. I remember requesting things at my undergrad library at Michigan. You have to wait for it to come in. They send you a, I don't, we didn't even have email. I don't remember how they told you that it was in. I have no idea. They sent you a letter in the mail. How did they tell us our thing was there waiting for us? I don't even remember. I think you just have to check back at the library all the Maybe time they to see called if it came you. in. Maybe they did. Now I don't have a cell phone. Well, they, hey, you have telephones in the dorm. Remember? And we then, did. And we then answering phone. machines became oh, the thing. I can't even. All right. So. I think you got it in the snail mail. Yeah, you probably did. Like a slip in your yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> so the other part of this was editor and style checker. 
And I do think everyone at this point, I don't know what people said about spell check when it was first. I'm sure everyone's like, it's the end of spelling. No one will know how to spell no one again, will know how to spell, which was totally right. true. Um, so except for the kids yes. in the spelling bee, nobody knows how to spell anything. I, I I will say I am totally dependent. I run. I don't do anything. I don't submit anything to anyone until it's run through the grammar and spell check in Word. It's just an automatic thing I do. I don't always agree with the grammar check, right? So that's where you have to actually know your grammar because, again, it's a robot. Just, you know, and there's ways that you write colloquially or, and you know, just it's not always right. Um, but... This goes beyond that, right? If it worked well, it would be excellent. And I can't really say right now because they haven't rolled that feature out for, for public testing. I did see a demo of it where they had a phrase that was a little too wordy and it gets underlined just like a spelling error. And you right click it and it says wordiness. Here's our suggestion. Mm -hmm. uh, they said that they're not looking initially to make it too complicated or too, you know, too detailed in what it suggests. Now... I, what I think would be great as an editor is if you could actually pre-program it in a way like, listen, we never use that word here. Right. Don't you ever use bang for the buck in an article again. We'll catch you. You know, like, so... <laughs> the cliche sound, checker. You sound yeah. off in the comments. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I do think... Mm. I think there's actually some great use case for that if you could customize it to your style because I'm sure that, in, depending where you've been an editor... There are certain things that are like you're not supposed to say this. Right. This is this is considered bad. Don't say it, or you've said this too much, or or whatever. So, but it's right now it's just made to be very simple. So I I have no problem with it. I think it could help people. I don't think it's a cure all. It's not going to give people I think bad habits. So. So that's a okay one. Well, we use um, Grammarly oh, as too. a Chrome extension, which I think works great. But my daughters, everything they do is on Google Docs at school. That's the other thing they don't. I, you know, they'll use Office offline. It's really funny for their own stuff, or they prefer um, PowerPoint still. But it's an interesting thing to see how students are moving back and forth between Google Docs, and a lot of companies are just using Google Docs right. now. And uh, ours, well, yeah. ours, we have that too. Like our IT, I'll just say this honestly: our IT department would, wants us to use Office. Everyone in the editorial mm -hmm. team wants to use Google Docs. So for other dealing with other people in the company who are on are on Office, we'll put things in Word. Uh, and I like Office. It has a lot of nice features. Sometimes I like to work offline in it. But if you're collaborating with other people, Google Docs is so yeah. much better. Like it, it can be a little bit of an awkward social situation when your editor's in there editing something while you're writing it, and you right. can see them because it's real time. Right. I have certain certain coworkers who are guilty of that. Like, let me finish. Don't edit what Keep I'm doing. Keep your paws off my piece. But, but it's so good at that, and, yeah. and Office is not as good at that. No, and I think that's especially for students. There's a lot of collaborative work that goes on, um, you hope, right? That's what we're right. trying to do in education now is a lot more collaboration. Lot more. And they had my daughter had the same thing where she was sort of the group leader of some project, and someone finally wrote, like, stop editing. I just want to finish what I'm writing. She was like, oh, my God. I'm like, go to bed. Um, but Rebecca, I want to ask early. you just really quickly, because you talked about the app or whatever program it is that your girls use for, for, the, for, bibliography. for the bibliography. So how did you feel when that came up? I mean, did you feel that that was cheating? Did you feel like, you know, that it was helpful to them? I felt like it was helpful because I feel like sometimes that nitty gritty stuff that's the end of your paper is just busy work. 
and I think that what's important to me is that they are citing everyone and not cheating. <laughs> not that necessarily they now have to sit and figure out the formatting. And have and it perfectly and have formatted. And perfect and go back and check, you know. And um, have the comma in the wrong place. Yeah, which is, I think, why the teacher said, use this. Right. Just, you know, I'm more... I need the content. I need mm -hmm. to know you are citing things. I need to know you're doing this correctly. But here's how to make it not so onerous. Yeah, like the flashcards too, the Quizlet, right? They use yeah. Quizlet for their flashcards. Um, I happen to think that it's less effective because they're not handwriting their flashcards. I think you remember it better when you yeah. write them out, but they're just study tools mm. now. I think there's an interesting question about the future of education, which we can talk all day about, but about how valuable memory is in an age of ubiquitous connectivity. Mm -hmm. Like, does it really matter to remember a whole lot of rote things, like how to format a bibliography when you have computers to do it for you, or are you just trying to teach people how to think critically and how to, how to synthesize the information? And I think that we should probably be moving more toward critical thinking. You know, years ago, I had a friend who, who walked around with a wearable computer all day before it was cool and uncool again. And he used to say, like, I don't have to remember things anymore like I used to because it's always right here in my eyeball. Mm -hmm. So I think right now you don't have to remember things like who remembers someone's phone number or their birthday anymore. Uh, yeah. So, you right. know, maybe maybe it's okay to not remember how to do an MLA bibliography. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see as, as Isaac grows up, you know, for you to see what he's doing in school and Ten years from now, when he's starting to do that, what that would, what that experience will be like. It's kind of amazing because what I think is so amazing about school, lovely about school, is even though things, my daughters are doing work that I did not do. I, I, really, some of it until college. That what they did in middle school, the work they did was tremendous. But it's still the like markers and colored pencils <laughs> and the you know like with the ugly hand drawn cover of the report you know I mean there's so many things when you walk through a school hallway that are exactly the same, um, and that's actually really nice. And to your point, I think the way that the stuff has become automated and technology it's just made it easier for them to get things done. They don't have to go to the library. Um, my daughter, we had like holes in our encyclopedias because my sister and I would like cut out the pictures <laughs> in the encyclopedia to stick it in our report because who had a copy machine? Nobody yeah. had a copy, you know. Um, so I think it it should just make it easier. I think it's made it easier to cheat in a lot of ways, unfortunately, but also technology's made it easier to catch that. So right. there's a sort of a, I don't know. It's it is interesting to see. You know, I'm not a big proponent of massive technology in the classroom and at a young age. So. I don't know. I think bringing those tools in that free you up for the better stuff, like Einstein wore the same thing every day, like, go, go, just go for it. <laughs> right. So we should have everyone tell us what they think. Yes. Post tell their us comments. What you think. Let tell, us know what you think. Tell Let us, us if you know how to spell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll post a link to Abram's article and that yeah. resource that your yes, kids I will use. Yes, pull that out. When Amy is done vacationing. Yeah, my daughters, <laughs> come, they come home from camp on Friday, so I'll be able to find out yeah. <laughs> what it was. All right, we will be right back with the Olympics. I feel like we should have that music the playing. Music. Dun, dun. <laughs> I probably have to pay money if I sing it. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. 
Hi, welcome back. We are tackling topic two, which is the Olympics. Isn't that all anyone's talking about this week? <laughs> Everyone. Like in some yeah. way, shape, or form, like we, how badly NBC's covering it, how sexist it was. Or just that they're watching awesome it. They are. I mean, Everyone's it's on and they're watching it. I was having a garage channel. sale Saturday, and my neighbor was helping me, and I said to her, You know, where's your husband? He's inside in the air conditioning watching the Olympics. <laughs> That's all he did. Someone's, oh, Bill Murray sent out a tweet today that they should have one regular person in every sport just so you have the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> the control group. Yeah, they're like just the one regular dude swimming next to Michael Phelps. Because <laughs> they're all so amazing that you lose your perspective on how fast yeah. they're going. And, you know, it's crazy. But um, I sent you guys that article, Eric Thomas, who's like one of my favorite, he might be my favorite pop culture writer at the moment. But um, he wrote that article about Ali Raisman's parents that it was so funny because there is something about the Olympics, I guess because they're all young, right? The athletes are young. And when you look in the stands, it's always their parents and it's mostly moms. There's a lot of single moms raising Olympians, mm -hmm. which is shocking to yep. me because the resources and the time and all the stuff you need. Um, I wonder how many Olympians are only children. That's my other thing. I wonder is like how many. Oh, that's, that's a an lot interesting for a question. To hmm. Yeah, and how or how much do other kids sacrifice? Right from all their, those five a.m. training sessions. They are moving and, some, right? Yeah. The gymnasts they move. Yeah. Um, but I, it is seems to me this gymnast this Olympics was getting a lot of flack for its sexist weirdly sexist coverage, um, where the female swimmer who now her name I can't remember. Which she, the Hungarian swimmer oh, who Katina won. Oh, Katina Hanzu. Yeah, so when she won, they shot, they just cut to her husband on the deck, and they're like, "He made her the swimmer." He and everyone was like, "She was the one in the pool." Right. Like, you know. Um, and meanwhile, he supposedly berates her on the pool deck and everything too. Oh, where the great. other swimmers were uncomfortable to the degree. And then there was um, one of the marksmanship women who won the Chicago Tribune covered mm -hmm. it as wife of Chicago Bears. Blah blah wins a medal. They never even put her name in the headline. Oh. Um, but it's weird to me. So you get all this sexist coverage and then the pushback because of social media and then all the commercials are thank you mom right there's not a dad right like didn't dads get up to do anything and i don't know maybe not <laughs> maybe <laughs> just did not. it's entirely possible i don't think so because then you look and that article about ali raisman's parents like they were it was together oh my They're god they own there. that <laughs> they, they are so <laughs> yeah so you should describe the video so the video is her parent, which was exactly what my husband and I were doing on the couch watching if she's not our daughter. That's why it was so funny. And her I'm sport. like this, the balance beam. What? Yeah. It's the balance beam. That four inches of wood, four feet off the ground. Or and she did trip for a minute there, too. Yes, and she like, and, and they're just, her mom is like, moving back and forth and grabbing her. But as if she were trying to balance. Like, yes. as if her body was swaying back and forth as if she, too, were trying to hold her balance. Right. And you know with her daughter. That they know that routine so well, yeah. right? Her parents have seen this routine at that. So they know the worst parts of it. They know. And it just captured everything about what it must be like to watch <sighs> her child compete, especially in such a perilous apparatus. But... That was so awesome. But again, it was a mom and a dad. Like they were yep. both there. And then up comes the PNG commercial, the thank you mom commercial, which oh, you know, you start crying. You can't not cry. But it's it's a little weird. I think it's also weird that they are covering the Olympians themselves and really mentioning who's a mom, but yes. they're not putting as much uh, emphasis on who's a dad. Like, you know, Michael Phelps. Right. He you just he had has a. Baby. a just had a baby they did show some things of, of the baby or whatever but nobody said like oh he has a three-month-old how does he do it 
Right. But there was does this, he get up in the night? Does he know how does yeah. he? Yeah. But they had this huge thing about uh, Carrie Walsh Jennings, yep. the volleyball player, and how and how she's a mom now. She said something that was that was a little interesting. She said something like, "I was born to play volleyball, and I was born to have babies." And they quoted her last night, and I was like, "Wow, did they just say that?" And then, but apparently, she said it herself. So, hmm. so they were quoting her. But I can see how that can kind of cause a bit of a stir. Salon, I think it was, had an article about how they were really whoever the writer was was really tired of seeing all the talk about which female Olympians were mothers and how they managed to balance motherhood and and sports because you don't hear that much about the male players. And, you know, it, it yeah, this definitely is kind of a window into how sportscasters cover female athletes and it's not necessarily always a pretty picture. Yeah. In terms of in terms of what they say and kind of the stereotypes that they're that they're playing into. Um, I think all of NBC's coverage has been kind of a window into the 20th century. You yeah, know, backwards. <laughs> everything about it is backwards from the sportscasters that they have to the fact that they tape delay something that's in, a, in an area that's only an hour ahead. Like we have this newfangled thing called oh. the Internet where people can find <laughs> out what happened. I know. And the gymnastics in particular because a lot of young kids are watching the women's gymnastics especially girls and I mean I had friends whose daughters changed into their gymnastics uniforms they posted pictures well they didn't get to watch because the, they aired it at midnight it was like 11 30 <sighs> midnight when they aired the women and they kept cutting to swimming but not finals they were just semi-final rounds of the swimming like who cares right. yeah I, mean, I don't understand how they and decide what to show and what not to show yeah. it's yeah. clearly one of those things that like don't you wish that you could just pick what you wanted to see. Right. Like, you could go in ahead of time and say, I like gymnastics, yeah, I like be skating, VOD, right? I like this, <laughs> and then I'm not interested in swimming or, you know, whatever right. it is. And choose your own little path of what you're watching. I mean, I will say, sometimes you find yourself watching something that you're like, what is this? Then you're like, this is awesome. Like, I don't know what yeah. this sport is. That I'm with curling, right? At the Winter yeah. Olympics, also, everyone was obsessed with curling. I would never have chosen. But, like, when you're home and it's hot out, you know, you're out the air yeah. on, you're like, ooh, dressage. What the hell is dressage? I don't know. It's yeah. horses. Um, but, I, yeah, it. the mother thing is interesting to me because it kind of is more of an achievement if you're also a mom to be able to pull this off. Like, if you yeah. just think about what it is to be a working mom regularly, like in your life, um, that you're also training and traveling to Rio. And, and you kind of want to hear from the dads because they must be picking up a ton of slack, right? Like, that. talk about a team effort at home to make this happen. Your whole family is revolving around getting mm-hmm. mom <laughs> to the Olympics. Um, and so maybe that's the point I think Carrie Walsh was making was just like I did I somehow did it all like I she was pregnant when she won the, won the gold medal yeah. and didn't, that's didn't know right so like that whole feeling of like I can't believe I did it right. I can't believe I have these two kids and I'm getting to go and for I'm another living gold, my dream and I'm living my dream uh, like yeah. that is kind of shocking but you know but that's in every industry it's not just sports right. I mean remember the whole uh, Susan Wojcicki from from uh, Google or YouTube was asked on stage at the Dreamforce event, you know, oh my gosh, you were, you know, you when you launched YouTube this, your baby was just turning two and, and like all these milestones. And then Mayor Rahm Emanuel came on and said to the 
interviewer, you didn't ask me about my kids. You didn't right. ask me how old my kids are, where I was in life when my son turned three. And like really pointed out how sexist the questions are yeah. asking, how do you do this? So is the answer then to hit Rahm Emanuel's point to be asking the dads? At the Olympics, like, you know, how are you doing maybe. it? You're a dad, and you're here, and like, because maybe it's more of an acknowledgement that parenthood is hard. So we shouldn't pretend that being a mom doesn't make it more difficult to get to the Olympics, because it certainly does. Um, so does being 41 with like that whatever mm-hmm. she Hungarian too, that Walter, the the Olympian who's 41 yep. at like her. Yep. Fifth, her son's older than the youngest gymnastics <laughs> competitor. Wow. He's 16. And she's 41, and she's going to make it to the vault finals. Like, to me, like, whole, like that makes me feel like such yeah. a loser. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> this woman. Um, but maybe that is the question, is sort of acknowledging that a lot of these Olympians – you know, our parents, and and I don't care if it's the mom or the and dad, and living a life, like, and you know? living a life, yeah. and and a lot of them, right? This is it. We don't watch volleyball the other yeah. three years. We don't even watch gymnastics the other three years or swimming. So they're not like basketball players. They're not cashing in all year. They're not football players. Like they so do it for the love of sport, which is a lot harder on your family when you don't have a twenty million dollar contract right. that supports your you know lifestyle. I don't know. I find the Olympics so fascinating for all those reasons. But NBC really messed up. People are like, take it away from them. <laughs> they just totally. Well, you know, here's a little piece of cottage advice. Um, I, I haven't followed this advice, but if you're really sick of NBC, there are ways to get BBC or oh, tell us them or, or Canada. <laughs> here's some resources <laughs> on on your computer. Well, there are. You, if you use a private VPN service, which there are several of them out there, Google it. Um, they usually cost maybe $5 a month. You can then log in as a Canadian or British user, which no. will unblock uh, BBC or S- I think it's, was it CBC? Um, the Canadian Canadian one. Broadcasting. Canadian Broadcasting. And they have for free for anyone who's quote unquote located in their territory uh, free coverage on the internet that is not tape delayed. Ooh, that's that good, good to, to know. know. <laughs> that's also great, like when there's problems with the airlines, if you could log in as a Canadian <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get the U.S. call centers, that would be good. Yeah, you just have to go for, you know, be in Vermont. Yeah. Far up north enough, you yeah. can get everything Canadian. Yeah. yeah including resources. Um, yeah. Avram's Twitter handle, by the way, so you all know, is Geek in Chief. <laughs> so, <laughs> whenever I need something geeky, like really geeky, I, I reach out and say, hey, Avram, what do you think about this? <laughs> like, no, don't do that. We'll have to have you back because I remember when you're, it, it's very funny, you know, people cover tech and they're very hardcore, you know, quad core processor this and that. And then they have a baby and all of a sudden it's like, wow, are there any cool apps for kids? Or like, look at this. <laughs> This really cool baby product. So I was enamored watching your life evolve when Isaac was born and you did a great post on all the technologies we have today that your son will never see in his lifetime that, yes. that won't still exist. So we'll have to have you and back I, to talk about that. And I was completely that. wrong because he's ended up using all of oh, them. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> uh, some, some, somewhat me making him contradict it, you know, like saying like, hey, he's never going to use, uh, never going to use a CD. I think it was a mouse like and a CD. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say by the time he gets to middle school, these things will be over. But since he's with some old folks like, like me and his mom, he's getting exposed to that stuff now. He still has. That's not like when, um, when I watched The Breakfast Club with my niece. Oh. And they have that scene where they put the cassette 
into the cassette deck. And she goes, what's that? I'm like, that's a cassette deck. It's not that old. <laughs> That's what that is. My son is no still idea. at the age that he doesn't have a great sense of the passage of time and things being old and new. Like he asked my mother, like what video game she played when she was little, and That's we're like, sweet. you yeah. didn't have it. You know, <laughs> he's taking a great interest in like what we did when we were his age. Oh. So it's like, what shows did you watch? Did you watch Paw Patrol also? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, they hadn't invented it yet. Right. I watched whatever was on. <laughs> at that time <laughs> on my three channels yes sometimes mm. it was snow yeah and it was always the olympics so i will say check that out on online and then vulture has a great um guide also for when everything actually is happening at the olympics and you can find like gymnastics actually on during the day not at 11 30 at night nbc so there are ways to find That's it good. streaming so do your do your work and uh let your kids watch what they want to watch so they're not stuck staying up till midnight or crying um, we will be right back with our advice of the week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right, we are back with our bites of the week, and since Amy's, Amy's not, not here, here. <laughs> Andrea's going first. <laughs> she always goes first. So we've been talking about summer gadgets uh, the past couple of weeks, actually. But I just keep finding more summer gadgets. And uh, <laughs> and this one's really fun. It's made by uh, Ultimate Ears, actually, which is owned by Logitech. And they call it the UE Roll 2. This is version 2 of an already popular speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker. I'm going to say, I don't even know how big that is. It looks like the size of a, a, a small plate. Yeah, or, like or it looks plate. like maybe the size of Flavor Flav's neck clock. About that size and shape. So it's a Bluetooth speaker, but what is so cool about this is not only the great sound and the nine hours of battery life here and the little clip that you take out that you can put on your backpack or your bicycle or hang it. So if you're biking, you just, yeah, yeah it's like a... Your beach chair. Yeah, your be Anywhere you go, you can take this with you, but it comes with this little inflatable floaty That's hilarious it is hilarious <laughs> i had like this inflated earlier for something <laughs> i did but it comes with a floaty and you literally put it in the pool and you set the speaker on top of it and you have a pool party and you just let the speaker go around the swimming pool blaring the music which of course you control with your phone and it's waterproof I mean, this speaker cool. is waterproof. I would hang it on the neck, now that you said Flavor Flav, of those giant inflatables that everyone's using oh. this year, the big swans yes. and the doll. That's you know? a good idea. Because then you could really bling it. You could. <laughs> I like that. And and bling, it comes in different colors, different styles, different right, decorations, we'll of course. We'll take a picture. <laughs> we'll have to blow up the little floaty. I know. You have to blow up the floaty because when it's not blown up, it looks like a Friday the 13th, like, <laughs> horror <laughs> mask. So we have to blow it up. All right, Abram, what you got? So uh, my bite is the show Ready, Jet, Go, which I just recently discovered with my son. A fantastic uh, show that's available at PBS online, and you can also find episodes on YouTube. Great space show for kids to really learn about outer space. There's, It's actually made in concert with the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Oh, cool. And the name of the main character is an alien named Jet Propulsion, <laughs> who comes to like live in in a house sort of like Mork from Ork or whatever. And every week he takes his kid friends on like a drive around the solar system to show them different That's different so science cool. things. And it's all except for the fact that he's an alien and his parents are aliens. 
uh, is very scientific. Legal or illegal? Ooh, well, they definitely appeared. uh, They definitely appeared without getting a green card. Uh, Okay. uh, But so you know, but yeah, it's uh, my son loves it. It's it's really a lot of fun, and unlike a lot of the other shows he watches that are kind of primarily entertainment with a little bit of education thrown in, this is very entertaining, and all the facts in it are really good space facts. You know, he also loves Miles from Tomorrowland, which is another show in that vein. But that show's about like 99% sci-fi and like 1% fact. And uh, Ready Jet Go is uh, is a great show for for kids who are maybe I would say you know four to seven, <coughs> uh, maybe four to eight who are who are, you know are interested in outer space. It sounds like a show that you enjoy watching too. I mean, as opposed to me watching Barney. When my son was growing up, it sounds like something that you yeah. yourself find entertaining. Yes, uh, we really try. Very, I really try very hard. I think the thing that I was worried most about becoming a parent, and I disliked most, dislike most about being a parent, is the bad television that you sometimes have to watch. <laughs> and so, as my son has gotten older, we've really tried to like listen. We're going to try to watch cool stuff, you know. So I do try to I do try to find things that he and I can watch together that are not making me want to like, you know, tear my hair out or whatever. So cool. It's hard. <laughs> it's not an easy task. But better now, I think, with VOD and all the things. You know, you're not really just stuck watching. Yeah. I'm not even gonna name what I. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 no well, I about you. So I have. So I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name of the site right. Haleo or Helio H E L E O. It's a site that takes all these conversations that have happened and they transcribe them and they put them up so you can read these really cool conversations that maybe people had in the 92nd Street Y or all these different locations. Um, and they put up a conversation between Adam Grant, who's a psychology professor at Wharton, and Malcolm Gladwell on what it means to be original. Um, and Adam hmm. Grant had written a book called The Originals or just Originals. But it's all about... And it's a really cool thing for, and I, there may be a video too, but for parents um, and kids, it's all about like what makes a great president, what makes a great entrepreneur, what, how should college admissions change to make room for creativity and originality rather than just test scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Malcolm Gladwell sort of on a mission about the Ivy Leagues, like it's he's like crazy about like abolishing the Ivy Leagues practically, he just hates that so much attention is paid on them when they educate 11,000 people. Um, but it is about that is about what are the characteristics and what is character um, and how can we instill that in our kids and like encourage curiosity and passion and the things that are actually important for success rather than back to our original thing about rote memorization and um, all these things that are easier to measure maybe Um, so it's a really really interesting conversation especially because Adam Grant's a psychology professor at Wharton which is so (laughs) interesting but I think um, business and economists, like they become much more into behavioral science and trying to understand how that leads to success, but also how it moves markets and the psychology of you know people as a whole. So it's 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 really mm. cool. It's very like anti IQ fundamentalist. It's it's a really really good read, and it's good if you have a teen. I think it's a great read because they can get very caught up in the scores and the tests and it's and making their college application perfect right. to having this you know this service project and that I mean whatever and so it's much more about helping your kids figure out who they are and like 
going for it. And not what being skills they it. bring to the table. And what skills they yeah. bring to the table. And, you know, we had Michelle Borba on a couple weeks ago talking about empathy and that empathy is one of those skills that a lot of top employers are looking for now that also can't be measured so much but can certainly be taught right especially by parents so it's a cool article check it out i'll check it out we'll put the link to it on our page and that's it thanks andrea thank you thank you abram for joining us such a pleasure this was so great having you here we'll have you on again right right more stuff send us good stuff (laughs) everyone check out Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide, Tom's right? Guide. Like yes, LaptopMag.com and Tom'sGuide.com. We put um, all of our laptop and tablet coverage on LaptopMag.com and everything else on Tom'sGuide.com. Like awesome. everything else. Everything. Yes. Like, no joke. Everything <laughs> you guys, else. You guys Bluetooth, are a resource for Bluetooth everything. Bluetooth speakers. Uh, you know, we review a lot of products and we, and we offer a lot of practical advice for people to both use and purchase new technology. Which is Great. everybody. We'll, we will post a link yes, to both of we'll those on our those. website. And Right. You can check us out on our website, parentingbites.com, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash parentingbites, where we will have links to pretty much everything we talked about today on the <laughs> podcast. Um, and, of course, on Twitter, hashtag parentingbites, and iTunes. Subscribe, iTunes. rate, review us. That's what we need on iTunes to help us move up in the ever-elusive Apple algorithm and on play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all the CBS podcasts. See you next week. See you next week. Happy parenting.